Second Thessalonians, but I thought today I'd do something just a little different. Instead of telling you a joke, I want you to just read it. Uh, look at this one. Y'all know these boys from Facebook, right? It says, are you related to anyone famous? Oh, boy, with his hands in the pocket, he says, I don't want to brag, but I heard dad calling God his father. Come on, man. What about that? Isn't that awesome? I mean, think about that. Think about the lesson just right there in that in itself, right? He didn't want to brag, but he heard his dad calling God his father. What an amazing father we serve. Am I right? What an amazing uh, father we have in heaven, and he loves us so much. And today I want to talk about uh, the, one of the, the strongest blessings that he's given to us, and that is the gospel. But I want the title of this lesson this morning is, Do I Believe the Lie? And I want you to really consider it. I want you to think about where you are spiritually in your mind. I want you to think about, and I want to challenge you to think about where you are really spiritually. Several weeks ago, and it's been a while, so let me just put this back into the thought. We looked at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 through 12, and we talked about Paul and his conversation with these brethren uh, concerning this thought of the Lord coming back already. Also about this lawless one that was to come, and, and you remember uh, in verse 5 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. And in verse 9, it talked about the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And as I studied this, kept continually coming up in my kept continually coming up in my mind and it really has just stuck with me even as I have prepared for this was the concept in verse 12 that it says they did not believe the truth but had pleasure pleasure to do willingly to be well do, doing this Doing, doing the wrong thing. They actually had pleasure in doing what was wrong. Brethren, when we think about that, or do we? Isn't it in the news? In the news? Isn't it in our schools? Isn't it in our families? Isn't it in our home, maybe? And it stems from the thought that deciding God's truth is not right, but it's actually false. What pulls us into this trap? What causes someone to take what the Lord says as something not worthy to be followed? Have you ever thought about that? 
And what an embarrassing thing for people who say that they're children of God and they say, you know what, it's just not worth it for me. The Bible talks about this situation though, doesn't it? It talks about it in many areas of Scripture, especially in the New Testament. Just a couple, Romans chapter 6 Paul says it like this, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave who you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of uh, obedience leading to righteousness. He also says it this way in Galatians chapter 5 verse 17. He says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit. And watch how this plays out. He says, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. It's a problem. Ask yourself today, is the lust of the flesh, is the lust of the eyes and that pride of life that John talks about, is it so alluring that it makes you doubt God and his truth? And maybe even cause you to turn from God and what he says to believe in sin, to believe in that unrighteousness is actually okay. Don't check out on me today. I want you to be engaged in this thought. And I want you to be real with your life. Because if we want to change people's lives, we got to believe this. And we got to be about this. Sin is wrong. Sin is terrible. Sin leads to death. Do you want to die? Or do you want to live? Ask yourself that question. okay in your life? Have you watered down the truth so much that it just doesn't even matter anymore what you do or what you say or what you listen to or how you go about your business, how you handle tough situations? Here's the question. Have we fallen into the trap where Satan wants us? Are we missing out on the love of God to believe the lie? It's a lie. See, this is what Satan promotes and this is what he promotes about God's truth. Sin really isn't that bad, y'all. But it's something that the Bible talks about because really he wants you to keep from having a good time. See, that's what it's really all about. That's some old rules way back. It's out of context. It doesn't even pertain to us anymore. It's just really hindering you from having a good time. See, everybody's really going to go to heaven, so why not eat, drink, and be merry? Why not? See, dabbling in sin, it's, it's okay. Just, just don't do it a whole bunch, see? If you just do it just a little bit, it's okay. I mean, God understands, really. You really think God wants you to go to hell? There really probably isn't even a hell anyway. When we get down to it, this is a bunch of crazy stuff that people believed a long time ago. While we may think that those things are ridiculous, those statements are silly, the reality is that when we let sin begin to creep into our lives, we put our ways above his. His. 
We put our lusts and our desires over his commands and we begin our path on believing the lie. We put ourselves in a position that sometimes people can never come out of. Brethren, I want to read something to you and it's just struck my heart. It scared me. It scared me. How important is God's truth, brethren? How important is it? How important should we take it if we say that we're a child of God? Let me read you this verse. Hebrews chapter 4, I mean Hebrews chapter 6 verses 4 and 6 says it this way. For it is impossible. Y'all know what that word means? Impossible. We ain't talking about no mission impossible. We're talking about it ain't going to happen. For those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance. Did you hear it? Are you wanting to check out on Christianity? Oh, friend, let me tell you, brother, let me tell you, sister, don't do it. Is there still a little bit of the love of Christ within you? Get it back. Bring it to the forefront of your life. Bring the excitement back because the danger of this is catastrophic. It's catastrophic. Look at what he says, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. I encourage you to read the rest of that chapter. <laughs> you want to wake up, call, read the rest of that chapter. We're going to talk about verses 7 and 8 in just a minute. But it says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, once children of God, if they decide that it's not good enough. Hmm. For them to even come back. But when we look to the word of God. As absolute authority. Things change. Amen. Look Psalm 119. You know I love this verse. <laughs> and I mess it up every time. It's like the simplest verse ever. Right. I can't even say it right. I just say it like this. Your word is a light to my feet and a light to my path. That's the way I say it every time because I can't even remember the order. You know, I'll mess it up and say, your word is a light to my feet and a, and a, light, and a lamp to my path, right? I, I, I mix it up all the time. But does it really matter? Do you think about what this says? It says the word is light. I can see where I'm going when I turn the light off, when I put it up, what happens to my path and the way that I'm going to go? I can't find my way anymore, can I? When the batteries start flicking on that flashlight and you're way out in the woods, what are you thinking? Oh, man, really? Seriously? Take it out, put it back in, right? You do a lot of stuff. But when the batteries go out, they're out. But if I put some brand new ones in there, if I made the preparations for it, what happens? I have no worry. And when that light's on, man, I feel comfortable, don't I? It gives us the reason why God wants us as far away from sin as possible. 
because it has such a strong pull. But Paul, when he thinks about these brethren at Thessalonica, he is comforted. He is encouraged because they weren't falling for the trap. See, they were doing something else. Let's read it real quick. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to read verses 12, uh, 13 through uh, 17 real quick. It says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel, for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. And I'm going to ask all of you to do me a favor. Will you please make it a priority to come back tonight and hear part two of this lesson. When I get finished this morning, it's just half of it. I want you to catch the rest of my blessing that I've studied for and want to give you. Will you give me that? Please try your best. Part two is tonight. I want to finish this off. I want you to be blessed by the finishing of this thought. But here Paul is encouraged by these brethren. He says we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. I want to bring some reminders to our attention this morning. Reminders that I hope will give us that confident, that swagger to be a Christian. To be able to walk around and tell people why we love the Lord. To remember the great gift that God has given to the whole wide world. Y'all remember this? Let's go back to school for a minute. Early school. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. For the wages, the payment of your sin is what? It's death. But there's a gift. And it's eternal life. And it's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brethren, would we say amen to that? That's an amen all the way, isn't it? Hallelujah, praise Jesus. See, the gospel invitation, brethren, don't we remember it? Doesn't it make you excited? Doesn't it make you realize that God made a way for you to be his child and he made the way for that sin to be removed, that thing that has such a strong pull on your life? He removes it for you. And he makes a way for you to combat it where it doesn't have to be a part of your life. But just for these last few minutes, think about what happens when one accepts the gospel invitation. Think about what happens when somebody says, you know what, I want to answer this calling that Paul refers to. This calling that God has presented you know, God made a way for us to be a part of a group, didn't he? Look at what he says right here. He says in verse 13, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning, he chose you. 
He chose you. Brother or sister, if you're here today, he chose you to be a part of his family because he made a way for you to be in it. Am I right? And you do it by this gospel invitation, this calling. I love using the scripture when talking to people about the calling. Oh, I've been called. You remember what it says? And if you want to look at it for reference in Acts chapter 2, let me just read this real quick. In Acts chapter 2, when, when Peter uh, busts out this uh, gospel sermon, excuse me, this for the first time for these uh, people to hear, he says, uh, then Peter said in verse 38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for uh, the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. The calling is the gospel invitation. And you do it by obedience to it, right? Believing who Jesus is, repenting of your sins, confessing his name, being baptized in water, coming out brand new and living faithful to him. But what does that gospel invitation do for somebody? See, here's what I want you to remember. Here's what I don't want you to forget. Here's what I want you to go tell somebody about. This is what I want to be on your minds and on your lips and in your hearts. See, the gospel invitation allows you to receive something, something that Eric just talked about. You receive salvation. Is that a big deal to us? If it's not a big deal, there's a problem. Sin has crept in. Do you believe the lie? Here's the reality. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day, and we're going to have to give an account of our deeds, whether they're good or whether they're bad. But Jesus says, I'll stand by you, and I'll stand up for you if you want to accept this invitation. I'll save you from the judgment. <laughs> what do I got to do to get on your team? Am I right about it? See, a person is called into salvation when they obey this gospel. The Thessalonians had obeyed the gospel and they had come into this salvation. And because they had been saved from sin, what does it cause Paul to do? It causes Paul to rejoice with thanksgiving. Brethren, we should be happy when we come up in here. Am I right? We should be happy to see each other because if you're a child of God, you've been saved. Huh. They had answered the calling. You remember when we did it? I, I, I ask you this often. You remember when you obeyed the gospel or has Satan watered that memory down? Is it just not as powerful as it once was? Yeah, I remember it, Matt, but it was so long ago. It was so long ago. 
you know what happened that day? You were saved. It's coming. It's coming. There's a day that's going to come. And here's the way that Paul said it. The Lord says, vengeance is mine and I will repay. It's a fearful thing to stand in the way of a living God. If it's become a distant memory in your life, brethren, let me just rejuvenate something within you. You were saved on that day. You were headed down a path. Don't believe the lie. Don't let Satan fool you. You're different. You belong to a different family. You want to know what happened? The gospel, by accepting the gospel invitation, not only were you saved, but you were sanctified. See, you were set apart. You became a part of that chosen group. I don't know if that means anything to you, but you know what? I think about royalty, you know? I think about uh, going to meet Queen Elizabeth. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing? If all of a sudden I got a call from Fountainhead and it was actually Queen Elizabeth on the phone. She actually didn't even let none of her people do the call. She wanted to do the call and she said, you know what, Matt, I'm so glad I got you and I didn't get Jane. Because I don't even want Jane. I just want you. She talked to Jane. She wouldn't even want me. So I'm glad that she got me. No, I'm just kidding. I want you to come. I got the plane out at the Portland airport. It's already sitting there for you. I don't even want your family. I just want you. I just want you. I got your bags packed. I already know all your size. I know all your clothes. I got everything prepared for you in a room. And I cannot wait to see you. And then I show up at the airport. And there she is. How exciting would that be? Brethren, I got a story that's way better than that. And every single one of us can be a part of it. And here he is standing with his arms wide open saying, don't you love me? I did everything for you. I know you. I know your weakness. I know your struggle. I want to help you. I want to lead you. I want to set you apart from other people so when you walk into a room, they know who you are. They can smell your aroma, that you're a child of God. Man, I'm going to tell you what, to be saved and be sanctified is an awesome blessing, amen? But here's an added bonus. Look at what it says. In verse 13, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit. And then he says, and belief in the truth. We don't believe a lie, do we, brethren? We believe the truth. Jesus said that I am the way. No man comes to the Father except by me. 
You remember what Jesus said? He said, those who worship me are going to worship me in a way that is different. They're going to worship me not only in spirit, but they're going to worship me in what? In truth. Paul praised God that the Thessalonians were setting themselves apart to live by the truth. Not veering either way. They were wanting to go the way that God wanted them to go. How pleased is God? Answer this question for yourself. How pleased is God when his people honor his word in the world? Pretty hype, isn't he? He's pretty excited when that happens. Don't you love it when your kids do what you ask them to do? I mean, don't you love it? Libby, can you clean this little bird's nest up, please? And she cleans it up. It's like the greatest thing that's happened. Libby, can you sit down and let daddy comb your hair? Which is rare. She let me today. And it felt good. Maybe not to her, but... (laughs) Hey, not to her. But I want you to think about this verse, Psalm 135. It says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And I love how this ends. And his word, I do hope. Is that us? Are we waiting on the Lord because we know he's going to return? We know that we're going to deal with some things. We know that we got these situations. But in our soul, we know and we're longing for this place that Eric referred to again. I guess he had my notes. We're longing for this place, right? Which adds to the last part of what the verse says. It says to... uh, Verse 14, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. But think about it. When I know what the Bible says, when I know what the truth is, then I put it in my heart and it really does do something for me, doesn't it? When I put anger and malice and revenge, when I put those things in my heart, what happens? What happens when those things start to marinate? What happens when those things start to become who I am? I become a different person, don't I? Don't talk to me because you may get something. (laughs) And if I keep on and on and on and, and having that attitude, what happens to me? I fall off into this negative area. But what happens when I put kindness and mercy and long suffering and forgiveness and all of those qualities When those things start marinating in my life, what happens to my heart, brethren? Don't believe the lie. Don't think that you're weak. Don't think that what you're doing ain't right. Don't think that God didn't set it up for your best interest. Don't think that at all. See, look at what Hebrews 6, verses 7 and 8 says. It says, hey, farmers, I'm giving applications. Now, I'm I'm needing y'all to maybe help me out if I'm wrong, uh, because I ain't had no crop yet. But I want you to see what I got for you. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated. Hey, put this verse in you, your remembrance and meditate on this one because look what happens. The earth is going to drink the water and the rain that comes and it's going to bear herbs useful for those 
who cultivate them. And and look what happens to the person who cultivates it. They receive something. Look at it. A blessing from God. Now, if I put in the work, if I do what God tells me to do, if I cultivate my life in such a way, I heard a story about, uh, and I'm not going to do this if I ever do crop, and I'm, a, uh, and I'm a tractor guy. If I'm the tractor guy putting the crop out, I'm not going to look back because I know my rows will be crooked. See, I, don't, I can't do that. I want my rows to be straight, right? So I'm learning already. But if I'm cultivating, if I'm setting it up, if I'm spraying, if I'm checking, if I'm getting the weeds out, if I'm doing all of those things, what ends up happening? I end up having a good crop, right? See, when the rain comes and it soaks up in those plants, see, I receive this blessing from God. But look at the second part of it. But if it bears thorns and briars, what's happened? Oh, I ain't cultivated nothing. I put it out there and then I just let it sit. Now, these thorns and these briars, as they continue to grow, it becomes a struggle to get them things out of there, isn't it? But look at what happens. It says it is rejected and near to being cursed. When I see that crop and all them briars and all of those thorns have grown up around it, you know what I say? Eh, it ain't even worth it. It is rejected and near being cursed whose end is to be burned. Do we believe the lie? Can we be excited about Jesus? Can we be excited to tell somebody about him because we've been saved, because we've been sanctified, and we know all of that because of the truth? Well, what about this one? By accepting the gospel invitation, we will receive the glory of Christ. That's a promise. The new converts, these Christians at Thessalonica were on their way to heaven and they were destined for glory. They would one day, one day and listen to this one, they would one day obtain the glory of Jesus Christ and share in his glory. How awesome is that? Co-heir. See, all of these blessings come on all those who become Christians. Do you remember those things? Are they fresh in your mind? Are they something that you go back to when hard times come? I hope so. We should be rejoicing. We should be giving thanks for all who wear the name of Christ. Amen? This ain't no competition. We family, man. I want you to take care of me and I want to take care of you. So what now as we close? What now? Verse 15, he says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Stand fast in the faith. Don't believe the lie. See, they had believed the truth about Jesus and about what the Father had given through this gift, and they were to stand on it. They were to remain in the belief that their faith would hold them up. 
if they would hold on to it. I want to close with this thought. Let what the word, let what the Lord has done for us establish and comfort us in every good word and work. So what happens when we let that really happen in our life? What happens? Please come back tonight and we'll talk about it. What happens when we really let that happen in our life? Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and you need to be added to the family of God. Please don't wait. Do it today. Become added to his family, to that group of people that he's set apart, Christians. You do it by obedience to the gospel, just what we talked about today. Why don't you be saved? And you do it by obeying him. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you need prayers, if you need to be saved, please come right now as together we stand and sing. Deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore.